Hello and welcome to another episode of In the Narthex. I, I legitimately don't remember where I usually go from there. It's been a long time. Well, don't you say your name. Oh, probably. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> My name is Alyssa Gubrell, and I'm here today with Pastor Lucas Hattenberger and Pastor Jeff Thune. And every other week or every couple months or however often we can, we sit down to discuss how the gospel of Jesus Christ speaks to the questions and conversations of today. And this week, we've got a little bit of a spoiler alert. We're not in the narthex anymore. We've moved to a room just outside the narthex. Yes, but it's a a nice, fancy new studio that we... I thought about changing the name of the podcast to Adjacent to the Narthex, (laughs) but it doesn't work as well. Next to the Narthex. We're still in the spirit of the Narthex, so I think we can still be in the Narthex. Yeah. If you're wondering why we all sound so much better, it's because we've just got microphones now and better microphones and we're not in the echoey that's true that's true true, well it's been a little while um but it's good to chat with you guys today we are going to be discussing the topic of prayer so why are we doing that i mean first of all listen because prayer is a good thing yeah something you should do have you prayed lately i mean goodness gracious (laughs) how do you even start no no actually there's a couple reasons i think um the first reason is just uh, prayer can be a very intimidating um, and sometimes even an elusive th- sort of thing. So I think secretly a lot of Christians even have this internal dialogue. Well, I don't, I don't really know how to pray or I don't really know what to pray or I'm not comfortable praying. Um, I don't like praying in front of others. Um, and sometimes even I like praying too much in front of others, right? <laughs> um this kind of reminds me of the scene on Meet the Parents where they ask Greg to pray for dinner, you know, and he has no idea what to say. <laughs> so he just starts kind of like trying to conjure up all these things that maybe he heard um, from his religious upbringing or from, you know, Sunday school class back in the day. And uh, I love that scene because I'm just like, man, we all at different times have probably felt that way, you know. Um, but as a result, uh, a lot, a, a lot of us kind of have this weird relationship with prayer, where it's something that's very occasional or even unsettling, um, or sometimes even just socially provoked. Um, meaning, uh, it, yeah, there are people who they only, you know, they only really drink alcohol in social settings, right? Um, and so, you know, sometimes in a um, church context or a small group context, that's really the only time that you go, man, okay, okay I kind of have to pray. And so I have some scripted things that I say or whatever, but all of that to say reason number one, um, we're doing this podcast is just, um, yeah, we want to kind of demythologize prayer. And sometimes we all have an opportunity or I guess, a I should say a tendency to overthink prayer. And so we just want to talk about it openly and honestly and say, Hey, that's, that's okay. Like it's okay. Um, we'll kind of, as we get further into the podcast, I think Jesus was aware of that, you know, that's kind of why he taught his disciples how to pray. Um, second reason I guess is that we've been teaching through Matthew. We've been in this series for a while now called the kingdom. And what we're going to try to do on this podcast or what we've been trying to do is, okay, some of the, some of the things that come up, some of the topics, um, 
that come up in and throughout as we teach through like a gospel like Matthew or as we teach through any book of the Bible, there are certain things that you just don't have time on a Sunday morning to take a deeper dive on. And so that's, that's what we'd like to do as we kind of finish out this series. Um, yeah, pull forward some of those topics and address them in this podcast. So the first one of those is prayer. Um, we're going to be looking at the kingdom. We're going to be looking at marriage and divorce. We're going to look at, be looking at Old Testament typology. Um, and that by that time, we'll kind of um, be moving into our Advent season and Advent series. So, um, yeah, just to summarize, the first reason is just practical. Sometimes we overthink prayer. Sometimes we just need to go, hey, man, like let's talk honestly about prayer. Second reason, it's come up quite a bit in Matthew, um, and we like to... Yeah, just take a little bit deeper dive into it. Yeah, like you said, um, Jesus prays often in the book of Matthew. And why Why do you think that is? Why does Jesus stress prayer so much throughout the Gospels? Yeah, I think one, one thing to just say uh, at the outset before we get to Matthew is it's all throughout the Gospels that we, that we see that Jesus stresses prayer a lot. Um, he he um, prays a lot. So, so, um, if, if you've ever read the gospels, um, he prays before he chooses his disciples. He, um, in in Luke, even he's praying while he's being baptized. He, uh, he prays before he's crucified. He prays while he's being crucified. Um, and then especially during times in, in his ministry, as he is, um, as he's being, uh, you know, overrun by people, he he has to sort of go away to a desolate place, right? So it's it's like all over the Gospels. So that that's just the first thing to say. Why does Jesus pray so much? Because, and I think this is kind of borne out as the church has meditated on the the um, identity of Jesus and who Jesus is. Is Jesus understood himself to be in this very unique relationship with? Um, the God of, of, of Israel. And in fact, um, he, he was the one who uniquely called God Abba or father. Um, and, um, so he understands himself to be in this very intimate, close relationship with God as his father. And he even understands himself, um, to be in some way a unique, um, son of God. Now, Throughout the Bible, people are called son of God, like Israel's called that. And, um, uh, you know, there are different places where like a king might be called a son of God or something along those lines. But Jesus understood himself to be in this very close proximity to God. And he understood uh, himself to be in this very unique relationship as uh, God is his father and he is the son. And this later came to be known as the Holy, the Holy Trinity, right? That, that Jesus is this unique son of the father. Um, and then later, uh, the church also realized that the Spirit is kind of another a part of, uh, of of the Godhead, and that's where we get the Trinity. But but from from this though, uh, the disciples of Jesus are sort of pulled into this relationship that that Jesus has with the Father, and even even as as you read the Gospels, it's really interesting. Jesus sort of invites his disciples to participate in in these times of prayer. Um, to, to sort of say, hey, I'm, I'm going to go away to this desolate place. Uh, why don't you come with me? And then, you know, especially in the Garden of Gethsemane, 
he asks his disciples to pray with him, to be invited into that unique relationship, and they fall asleep, um, and, and they're not really prepared for that. But, but um, Jesus stresses prayer so much because of who he understood himself to be. Mm-hmm. And the church later understood, we're also invited into that relationship. And as we'll see, that's kind of the basis of prayer, really, is being invited into this unique relationship between the Father and the Son. So that's kind of a, um, a little introduction. Why does Jesus talk so much about prayer? It's because of who he is, right? Mm-hmm. And, and he even invites us as his disciples into that relationship. So, uh, Jeff, do you got anything to add to that? Well, you already, um, I think, kind of described well, okay. So out of that, out of that unique relationship, um, all of his kind of decisions um, are made, right? Uh, we see him... Um, yeah, going certain places, you know, doing certain things, um, having certain conversations, um, being prompted by the spirit in certain ways. And all of those are kind of born out of that unique relationship with, um, his father. Right. So you already covered some of those, you know, um, chooses his disciples after prayer, you know, pray, praise as he's being baptized and, you know, receives the spirit in Luke before he's crucified, you know, in the garden. Um, you talked about after long seasons of, of hard ministry going away to a desolate place. So um, Herman Bavink, who's a kind of a Dutch reformed theologian um, and, and one who just has some really unique insights on the person of Christ, um, he puts it this way. He says, Jesus constantly puts the whole emphasis on the fact that the Father has sent him, that it is his meat to do the will of the Father, that he has received from the Father a commandment as to what he shall do and say, and eventually that he has finished the work of the Father on earth and the like. So you get that all throughout the Gospels, especially like John. I mean, you just cannot miss it in the Gospel of John. Bavik goes on to say, the coming into the world, the incarnation, therefore, already belonged to the carrying out of the work which the Father laid upon him to do. The commissioning that preceded the incarnation did not take place in time, but from eternity. Um, so then you think about, okay, the in Matthew... You have, it's like Jesus is referencing that, right? He's talking about this eternal relationship. He's been in the bosom of the Father. They're, you know, they're one. They're so connected. They're, they're, they always have been, right? Um, and then you come to Matthew chapter 3, and he comes up from the waters of baptism, and you hear the voice from the heaven, this is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. So it's almost like the Father's saying it right back to him. Yep, hey, everybody kind of take notice. This is this unique relationship, this intimate relationship. He is my son. And then Matthew chapter 17, um, when Jesus is transfigured before the disciples, or before the kind of inner circle, I guess, um, you hear the voice that says, this is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. Listen to him. So what you were talking about earlier, I'm I'm only bringing that up because I think um, that's exactly... Not only is Jesus saying, hey, um, I'm the unique son. Hey, be part of this relationship. Let me pull you into this relationship, this unique relationship that I have with my father, that he will now become your father. 
Um, but even God, the father is kind of saying, yes, he's, yeah, let me, let me kind of authorize that. Let me, let me kind of put my stamp of approval on this in some various ways in Matthew. And so uh, I think, yeah, I mean, it's uh, our kind of relationship with prayer starts with Jesus's relationship with his father, with him pulling us into that relationship, into that life, into that fellowship, into that intimate kind of conversational, um, way that they, they, uh, yeah, they have. So I think I hear you saying that the prayer life of Jesus is important because that is where our prayer life starts and that's where our prayer life is grounded. Um, so how do we see, um, our participation in prayer as participating, um, in this father son relationship that you're talking about? Yeah. So I think, um, what we're really trying to get at here is, you know, it's, it's interesting. We're really, we're hitting on these very um, unique Christian doctrines and we haven't even gotten to Matthew yet, but we can see how it really affects all of the, all of the Christian life. So for instance, in Romans eight, what Paul seems to do in Paul, you know, he didn't know Jesus while he was on this earth, right? Jesus had to appear to him, but he must have known about some of Jesus's prayer unique sort of prayer life because, you know, in Romans 8 and in Galatians 3, he says that through Jesus, we earn the right to cry out, Abba, Father, mm-hmm. which is a unique teaching of Jesus. Jesus teaches the Lord's Prayer to say, Our Father, yeah. um, which, which you know, it, it's not that the Jewish people never did that, but it was uh, pretty unique for an individual to say, this is my Father, right? Okay. And now my Father has become your Father. And what Paul is saying is, listen, when you believe in Jesus... That relationship is um, given to you. Now, it's not given to you by right, right? It's not like we earn it. It's not like we have it because we're human beings. Um, but it's given to us by grace. And, um, and that was a, a very um, central claim of the early church that what Jesus has by nature or by right, he gives to us by grace. Mm-hmm. And so what that means is that we're included in this relationship between father and son. And so before we even start talking about prayer, that's kind of the unique Christian thing um, is we're included in that, in that eternal conversation that was brought into the world through the incarnation. And now we're taken up into that through faith. Mm -hmm. So um, Paul seems to have this idea that we almost participate in this relationship with the father through Jesus Jesus kind of mediates that hmm. that relationship. Jeff, you got any anything else on that? Well, it just made me think of you know a number of scriptures as you're describing that, but um, I think of Hebrews two, where it says, "For it was fitting that He, for whom and by whom all things exist, in bringing many sons to glory." should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering. For he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified all have one source. That is why he is not ashamed to call them brothers, saying, I will tell of your name to my brothers. In the midst of the congregation, I will sing your praise. So it's kind of describing. Jesus kind of understood that was part of his purpose, right? Was to come to sweep up uh, all these brothers and sisters adopted into this relationship that you're describing into this life, into this conversation. Um, and then, you know, Galatians two 20, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me, 
the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the, by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. So again, um, yeah, a lot of new Testament language that just kind of describes that. Okay. Christ is mediating, bringing us into to life with God. Yeah, that, that's good. And so I, I guess a summary statement would be that all prayer must have this unique Christian emphasis. Um, uh, Christ be, being Christocentric, Christ-centered. Because I think, you know, all of us can witness like a Buddhist or a Muslim or a Jewish person praying a lot of devout things. Um, but none of that, is, like, um, there, there is no mediating person between mm. us and God. Mm. Um, it, it's just us before God and what we do. And, but with, with, in the Christian worldview, it's, it's, it's that Jesus comes and gives to us this, this, this relational reality. And, um, and I think that that's just so basic to the definition of what it means to be a Christian, that when we come praying before God, it's in the person of Jesus uniquely inhabiting his relationship with the father. So I just think that's an important way to preface it. I was thinking too, as you were describing that, like it wasn't long ago in, in Matthew that I was using kind of this anecdote or illustration of how, how that happens and how Jesus even is the mediator of, of the kingdom, right? He's, he's bringing us into the family, so to speak, and talked about how, the sun, you know, kind of playing out on the street and you, you know, you're new to the neighborhood and, um, and he calls out to you and says, Hey, you know, come, come, come over here, join me. And then kind of the gates to the, this huge palace open up and Mm. he invites you in and then takes you in to meet his father. You know, he, he's like walking you into the kingdom and walking you into life with God. And so I think just even, even, having that in the back of your mind um, as you enter into prayer is really just helpful, yeah. you know? Because it's like, hey, Jesus, that's why he came. That's what he wants to do. And so as long as I'm attached to him, joined to him, uh, seeking him, he's leading me into, hey, we got this cool thing. Me and my, yeah. me and my father, you can be a part of that. Let me introduce you to him. Let me, you know, show you how to talk to him. Like, that's just a... It's, you know, it's a really encouraging kind of freeing, um, yeah, it gives you just some confidence too as well. Yeah. So like you said, we've been going through, um, the book of Matthew for sermon series. Um, so let's dial in and look closely at, um, just the unique teaching of Jesus from this gospel. What does Jesus say about prayer in the book of Matthew? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think it's hard, um, First of all, first and foremost, I'd say we, we, we'd want to go, oh, yeah, Matthew 6, the Lord's Prayer, you know. Um, it's kind of a, such a, uh, man, such a pivotal um, benchmark, I guess, for thinking about prayer and thinking about, okay, this relationship with Christ and, and how he's, uh, everything we've described, right? What is he as he brings us into the kingdom, into the relationship with his father, um, what, what does he describe? How does, how does he describe it to us? What does that look like? Uh, the Lord's prayer is, it's not found in Mark or John, you know, there is a version in Luke, but I think we all know that it's not as good as the one in Matthew, <laughs> right? <laughs> okay. Just kidding, Luke. Uh, we'll see you in heaven. <laughs> Love you, brother. 
Um, but Jesus' disciples, like they ask him, how are they to pray, right? So right there, it's kind of like that's how we started the whole podcast. Like that's why we're like just to know, oh, you know what? Like, yeah, it's it's innate in human beings to to have an unsettledness, to struggle to know how do I talk to the divine? How do I talk to God? What does that look like? So they're struggling with that, but they see that Jesus seems to have this relationship that's really free-flowing and easy, and he talks to him all the time, and he steals away, and they've probably overheard him praying to his father. And so Jesus gives them this paradigm, right? Um, The Lord's Prayer, I guess we would describe it that way. It's a paradigm. It's not simply a rote prayer. Um, But, you know, it's it's also a, a very man, just sacred, um, man, compelling kind of, uh, yeah, Christian practice. Um, We hold that prayer in very high esteem because Jesus is the one who kind of gave it to us. And so, but it's it's also something that, you know, um, can become just all this thing that we say, this this very rote kind of, okay, everybody, we're going to say the Lord's Prayer. And I guess we would just say it's more than that. It's it's a guide to prayer. It's a guide to relationship with God Himself. Mm-hmm. Like this is how you approach that relationship. This is how you start that conversation on a daily basis. You know, as you're, um, yeah, as you're you're considering the Lord and who He is. And so, do you guys with your kids? Do you do you do the Lord's prayer at all? Yeah. Well, I mean, we have in the past where. Um, and actually, you know, we've kind of fallen behind on that. But the girls, when they were a little bit younger, they we would pray it every night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I think, you know, I think you're right that it's it's a paradigm, mm. but it's it's always, I think, a helpful thing to memorize it, just because if it is a paradigm, if it is kind of a roadmap, um, we might say, then um, it's good to have that roadmap in your head. So yeah, we we would pray it um, every night, um, and. Uh, yeah, I get, we probably need to get back at it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think it gives you um, some handles, man. Just, a, you know, a blueprint. And then as you say it, you know, either just your own personal kind of devotional time or with or with your kids or with your small group. Um, I mean, there is such significance to, to all of it. You know, first of all, that Jesus, hey, this is how you start. Like our Father who art in heaven. Like it's ascribing... Um, to God, you know, just, okay, you're, you're above, you're, you're outside, you're, um, you're transcendent, you know, um, you're in heaven, you know, like, um, but you're our father. And so we can come to you and we can talk to you and, and, um, you know, and, and then kind of walking us into hey, God's fatherhood is the basis for this relationship, um, but then it's his kingdom that's really the the goal, you know, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. So you're set apart, you're you're holy. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Like we want to align our own hearts with your heart, God. And we want to, yeah, seek your kingdom and the values and the principles and the things that are important to you, the things that um, your heart loves and, and beats fast for like those, we want those to, you know, be true of us as well, you know? Um, and then it moves into, um, so God's fatherhood is the basis, his kingdom, we would say is the goal. And then our provision is, is the means, you know? So, so yeah, then the relationship does kind of move to, Hey, we need these things, Lord, like give us, give us what we need because we, we can't give it to ourselves. We're, 
incapable of, of really satisfying the hungers of our souls. You know, we're incapable of satisfying what we need on a daily basis. So, um, yeah, I think, uh, give us this day, our daily bread and man, we're, we're sinful. So help us to forgive, you know, (laughs) help us to, um, help us to act like you act, you know, in that. Um, and, and then just lead us, you know, lead us not into temptation. Um, you know, lead us toward your light, toward your kingdom, toward your truth, toward yourself, you know? So I think, yeah, I I mean, yeah, again, it's, it, you know, it translates in your scripture, you open up that passage and you're like, oh, this is like three verses, you know, four verses, whatever it is. Um, but man, there is such significance, not just because Jesus himself is the one teaching us how to pray that, but what it's telling us about who God is and how we should reorient our entire lives around life with God. So, um, yeah, so you got the Lord's Prayer in Matthew. Lucas, what else we have that talks? What, what else does Matthew tell us about prayer? Yeah, I mean, one thing that, um, so the Lord's Prayer is, you know, one of the biggest contributions, you know, I would say in Matthew. Um, and then, but then all around this giving of the Lord's Prayer is this sort of um, context contextualizing of what prayer is or is not. And um, especially in the context of um, the religious um, Pharisees um, and then the pagan world um, around them. Um, so, so one thing that, that um, Matthew highlights um, in Jesus' teaching on prayer is just how he situates the teaching of the Lord's Prayer. So Jesus, at the very beginning of Matthew 6, talks about uh, um, he says, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites. Now, all throughout Matthew, that's the Pharisees. That's the religious elite, um, sort of the, the uh, seminary professors type, type, type thing. And, uh, and then, but then he also says, and when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles or the pagans do. So Jesus is both saying, Watch out for the religious people, but also watch out for the pagan, um, the, the um, irreligious, the irreligious, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah, and so he he kind of puts it on both sides, and he says, "Here, focus on on this." Um, so, what are the warnings? Okay, so the the first thing is he warns against what he calls the hypocrites, and um, and one one way that we might think about this is that for the Pharisees, prayer was not really about conversing with God or having a relationship with God. But it was really all about putting on a show. It was um, it was about getting not God's attention, but the attention of of other people. And so he says, uh, he says in verse uh, five, "Don't be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward." Mm. So apparently, the Pharisees, when they prayed, they loved to go out into the public. And it was a very common thing to go to the synagogue and pray. Um, And apparently they would even just go to the street corners and just kind of pray there. And their goal was to get the accolade, the applause from other people. And so Jesus contrasts that and he says, well, when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who's in secret. Mm -hmm. So what Jesus is doing is he's sort of realigning the purpose of prayer is to have God's attention. It's to be on this in this one-in-one relationship with God. Um, prayer is not for the purpose of getting attention from others. One thing that 
uh, Frederick Bruner in his commentary. Um, he says that prayer is not a form of evangelism. And I remember reading that years ago um, and just that always stuck with me. Mm. And, but, mm. but basically it's like you don't go out in public to pray mm. and like look at how pious I am or look at how great God is. No, prayer is this one-on-one conversation with God. Mm. And that's what Jesus says. And, and you know, the interesting thing is, um, is uh, when Jesus says to go into your room and shut the door, literally in the Greek, Jesus uh, says, go into your shed, your stored shed and shut the door. Um, and, uh, back then the, the only, usually one of the only places that would have like a, a real door that would lock would be your outdoor storage shed where you'd keep your tools and your feed. And so he's saying, don't even go to your house, go out into this really remote area where nobody's even going to be able to get to you. And the reason is because you don't want any audience except for God. That's kind of the whole, the whole point there. And so one way we might summarize this is just to say the Pharisees, um, their audience, the reason that they prayed was to get attention from other people. But then on the other side is the Gentile worldview of prayer. Mm-hmm. And uh, so what does Jesus say there? He says, and when you pray, uh, uh, sorry, and when you pray, verse 7, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Now what does that, that, that word empty phrases mean? It, it literally means um, babble like a baby. Don't babble like a baby, um, you know, when my kids were learning to talk, they would just kind of say sounds because they were just kind of learning how to vocalize. Well, that's what Jesus is describing there. Now, why why would they babble like that? Um, the reason is because for them, prayer was not so much about conversing with God, right? When you're in a relationship with someone, you say, I love you or help me or uh, here's what's going on throughout my day. Um, for the Gentiles, um, they did not have a personal relationship with God. In fact, there were many gods, and all of them were very busy, uh, you know, providing rain and making the crops grow and and uh, making sure the world goes round. And so if you really wanted the God's attention, what, what you would have to do is you'd have to talk real loud, you would have to yell, you would have to do these um, sort of brazen demonstrations to get the God's attention. Um, and one, one thing that really comes to mind is, uh, when I think about this is, is when Elijah was battling with the, uh, um, I think it's the Babylonian gods and they were trying to get God's attention, right. And they had to cut themselves and they had to, yeah. um, all this stuff. And, and he, he, he retorts with, well, maybe, maybe he's stuck <laughs> yeah. going to the bathroom, right? <laughs> he can't hear you. Right. Um, but that was kind of like their assumption, right? So. This he's, idea. He's predisposed. He's, <laughs> he's predisposed relieving himself and he he's can't really hear you. Right now. Yeah. That's great trash talk by it an is. Old it Testament was, prophet. You know? good, yeah. So their, their idea, though, was to say things over and over again just to get God's attention. Just to, hey, over here, uh, I'm really sick. My daughter's dying. Please, please pay attention to me. Um, and so uh, they didn't have a relationship with God. And so you have these two ditches, right? So you have, on the one hand, God doesn't care about you at all, right? And then on the, on the other hand, you're so spiritual that you have to show off in front of other people. Both, both crowds are missing the whole point. And this is why Jesus says, well, instead of this, when you pray, pray our Father who's in heaven. And what this implies is this very intimate relationship where you don't have to repeat yourself over and over. You don't have to show off. You don't have to prove yourself. You're in this very intimate relationship. Mm-hmm. And in fact, this is all throughout Matthew, is that God is this loving, 
uh, generous father um, who cares for you, is already in relationship with you. He knows what you need. You don't have to prove yourself or show off or, or any of that sort of stuff. So this mm-hmm. is kind of a very um, uh, a prominent teaching uh, from Jesus in the book of Matthew. So don't pray like the hypocrites, the religious leaders. Um, don't pray like the pagans, you know, um, the Gentiles, the babblers. I think it'd be kind of fun to just riff for a second on like how how this looks in our day. Like, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so kind of so you already kind of described kids. You know, I remember being a kid. And when you get to start praying at dinner, you know, or just uh, it's a family function, right? And so, you know, we do this as parents where you're kind of like, ah, my kid, uh, you know, let's let's let my kid show off a little bit with how he <laughs> prays or she prays, right? But I remember kind of feeling like, um, you know, as you as you grow up and mature, going looking back at those times and like, yeah, I was like, man, I was like one of the Gentiles, you know, like yeah. like. Um, or, 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 or like being, a Pharisee. Right, right, right. Or, yeah, or being in those small groups where yes. you're just kind of like, okay, uh, and, and I've done this myself. Like, um, being in a small group and there's a prayer time going and, dude, subtly just kind of going, okay, I need to kind of script in my head here what I'm going to say. And even scripting things that make me sound a little more pious or a little more biblically profound or whatever, right? So like, I think the reason Jesus is giving these warnings is because like, hey, you're prone to these warnings. So yeah, yeah, you guys have any thoughts on that? Like, you know, the guy who just, uh, oh Lord, oh Lord, we're just, you know, (laughs) Father in heaven, uh, you know. You say the old King James, hallowed. Yeah, hallowed. Hallowed be thy name, Lord. Or even the yeah, the, back to the meet the the parents thing, you know, day by day, by day by day. Oh Lord, these the yeah. Um, any Alyssa, you got any thoughts? Any? Yeah, I'm I'm still kind of. You don't want to make on... fun of anybody, do you? <laughs> <That's true. laughs> I well, I'm I'm still kind of thinking about this idea of like prayer as evangelism, or hopefully not as evangelism. Mm-hmm. But then like there is purpose for us to pray together or with people like. We do that. We do that on Sunday mornings. Sure. We do that in small groups. Like, so there is still some sort of purpose to praying together. And I think, hopefully not with like, look at how good I am. But I think at times I've prayed, like wanting to encourage someone as I pray for them. Sure. Um, you know, or um, even even as I pray with like my college students, thinking about giving them things to pray for, you know, yeah. like teaching them sort of through prayer. So yeah. like, hopefully that's not the purpose of prayer hopefully prayer is still god focused and god centered but um yeah i don't know i was just kind of thinking like there's well, other pieces to it too so i'm curious yeah what you guys and i think. think you can't and actually i remember preaching a sermon on this and you always have to put the caveat it's like well jesus still would have gone to synagogue as a good you know as the perfect jew um perfectly obedient jew he would have gone to synagogue and prayed the synagogue prayers and read the the Bible, um, and there would have been Pharisees there and, and Sadducees. And, um, you know, so we can't forget that Jesus had a corporate religious life, um, even though he had also this eternal, unique relationship. So I think you have to take the two, in, you know, hand in hand. There is the corporate aspect where we're praying 
Um, and especially, you know, us as worship leaders or people who are preaching or whatever, we're, we're praying in front of people, right? Yeah, and I think in that, you, what you're describing, Alyssa, is like, you know, is it a good, um, God-given, Christ-exalting, you know, desire to Im- uh, to impart and to even model how to pray to yeah. whether it's kids, yeah. younger believers, people who you're leading. Yes. Um, so to, to make that, you know, that, that can be a secondary desire when I go to the Lord in prayer, you know, um, and especially when I'm praying. Yeah. Uh, obviously when I'm praying in kind of mixed company with, with other people in the, in the room, um, and I think that's just a, yeah, obviously I think God would, would love and, and honor and, and be okay with that kind of motivation and that heart. I, th- I think so. Well, and even Jesus teaching the disciples to pray yeah. and praying in front of them almost presumes like, all right, I am praying, but now I'm aware now that you suck at prayer and I'm sort of <laughs> help you. Yeah. Right. Um, so I think, you know, but I, I, I think as Christians who are involved in church life, a lot of Pharisee um, tendencies. But then I also think about like the pagan tendencies. Like I remember when I was a new Christian, um, I would always feel this compulsion to grovel at God's feet before I got to the actual prayer. Like I would feel like I need to confess my sins first. I need to like really be feel bad about it first and then I can pray. Um, because God needs to know that I'm repentant or he needs, he needs something from me in order to pay attention to me. Yeah. Um, and um, I, I think that a lot of Christians struggle with that too. Like, God, you hate me right now or, or you, you just really annoyed at me. So I'm going to really just pray for the, the next 10 minutes about just how awful I am. And before I kind of get to yeah, what before I'm, I get what to I'm really here point. for. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I, dude, I, I mean, I think just to, to even encourage our listeners, like that is a struggle. Yeah. Like that's a struggle. No matter how long you've walked with, with Christ, um, we all have kind of that tendency. So either we're operating, you know, out of a kind of a insecurity. Um, and, and that's exactly what Jesus is, is saying, Hey, like approach him as a father, yeah. come talk to him. But I mean, I, I've certainly experienced that exactly what you're talking about where uh, you almost feel like, okay, um, I need to spend yeah 10 minutes here kind of making sure that you understand Lord, that I understand that I'm, you know, that, that this week has been off, you know, or I have, I have struggled or I haven't talked to you at all. And now all of a sudden I have this need and I'm coming to you. And I, 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 I recognize that that's kind of like, um, that that's not the most mature sort of way to, to continue, uh, to, to foster this relationship, you know? So all those kind of thoughts can kind of go through your mind as you're, you know, um, beginning to talk to God. So, and I think, so what would your counsel be to someone who, who notices that, Hey man, like sometimes I feel that way. Yeah. Well, and, and just to add to the complexity, like, we're commanded to confess our sins, for, for, for instance. Like, that's why we still do it in the service. Um, and we're command, you know, if anybody says they're without sin, you know, First John, like our last podcast. Um, so what, what would, I mean, I, I think that the reason that we started with this whole 
position, this union with Christ language mm-hmm. at the beginning of the podcast is what, all right, so the reason you're coming to God in the first place is because you're in Christ. Right. I think that that's how we always have to start. Like, we have to start with, okay, so you screwed up last night. You know, you did something, you know, and now you have to wake up and try to read the Bible with that on your mind. Yeah. Um, but I think, you know, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. So I think you always have to pray from this position. But again, it's, it, is, it is kind of a weird um, balance, isn't it? Because at, on the other side, you don't want to be like brazen in, your, right. in, in sin. You don't want to, um, like you can grieve God with your sins. So I don't know. I mean, I, I think, but I do think like the unique reality of Christian prayer is that you come in clothed in Christ, located in Jesus, welcomed into the family because he's the son. I'm not the natural born son. He, I'm the outsider who's been adopted, right? So he's always the one that has that record, that 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 resume that gets me in. Yeah. And so I think that always has to be kind of on the foundation. I don't know. what yeah. uh, do, you have, do you have any other thoughts there? Well, I thought, uh, yeah, I thought a couple thoughts. So whether you're you're coming because man, I, I, I'm, I need something. Um, or whether you're coming because, uh, yeah, you feel like that there's some separation in, in our relationship, right? In either one of those cases, um, what has prompted you to think, to think, to think that, you should pray. <laughs> you know, what, what has prompted you to think, man, uh, I should talk to God about this, whether it's a need or whether it's, man, I, I, I feel like our relationship, there's some separation here, right? Well, we would say um, just the, the evidence, that, okay, I've been prompted to go to my knees to, to address my father. Isn't that an evidence of the spirit of Christ that he has given you, you know? And so in some ways it's Jesus himself. It is Jesus himself saying, Hey, you know? Um, so I think, yeah, you're, you're taking, Christ is bringing you in again, bringing you into a relationship with God in that, in that moment, in those moments. Um, and so to just be honest, you know, just be honest, um, about your need, about your, your sin, about, what you're wrestling and struggling with, um, you know, and, and to not feel like you have to get God's attention like the Gentiles, you know, um, like the pagans, but that you can just, uh, you know, come to your father because you're coming in Christ. So. And I think because prayer, like we're saying is a relational thing, like it's not just speaking words at like some impersonal God, it can really highlight areas where we like disbelieve God's character. Um, like for my own life, I had a really good grasp that God is sovereign and capable and strong and powerful, but I sometimes fail to believe that he's good. So like when I come to him in prayer and I'm asking for something, um, I'm like, God, I know you can do this, but you, maybe you won't. You probably won't. So mm-hmm. so just even just mm-hmm. that, like highlighting um, what aspects of his character I'm not necessarily believing. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, what does it look like? Like how, how do we approach God? How do we um, think about God when we're praying? Yeah, I think that, um, see, and Jesus is just such a genius here because then he brings in this this idea like, 
we're all trying to get at it, you know, and I was trying to look up something um, in this book that I read along by, it's a, this old Catholic mystic, <laughs> she wrote, a, but she said that at the root of every conversation with God is an embarrassment, <laughs> hmm. Hmm. a substitute for much deeper mutual understanding. So in other words, every time you try to talk to to God, there is some embarrassment. And then she goes, if we had not sinned, it would have been natural to love God and to respond to him. In paradise, God asks no questions of Adam. Adam simply lives in God's sight in faith and in happiness. So it's like, even the reality of sin that has entered our world, it's kind of this, it does, it's, it creates this embarrassing reality where we're not living fully in God's you know, goodness. But I think, anyways, just, just to get back to Matthew, though, then moving into uh, Matthew 7, Jesus is continuing the teaching, and he says in 7 verse 7, he says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will knock. Or seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And the one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be open. Or which one of you, if your son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven uh, give give good gifts to those who ask him? So it's this this idea that um, we need to view God as this benevolent, generous, perfect Father Mm. who wants to give us good things. And of course, where's the qualification? You know, where's the caveats? Where's the Mm. fine? You know, where's the um, there is one qualification, which is he gives good gifts to his children. Hmm. But then that's about it, right? So he doesn't give bad gifts to his children. So it's like, God, you know, give me, um, you know, this Lamborghini. And God says, no, well, that's presumably a good thing that he wouldn't do that, right? But he gives good gifts to his children, and he does not withhold them. We need to go into prayer assuming that reality. And I think... Alyssa, to your point, what you said is, well, I, I trust that God is powerful and sovereign. And those are good things. You know, those are really good things. But that's not the heart of who God is. You know, he's not a sovereign king. Even before he was the ruler of the universe, he was a father of a son. Um, that's the inner life of the Trinity. So he is a father at his most basic reality. And that's who, that's who he is. And and if I like to give good gifts to my kids, me being an evil person, God loves to give good gifts to us. You know, so approaching prayer that way—it's so hard, though. And I think that that's—it's an embarrassment because we come into this thing, sinners having this sort of misconstrued view of God, and we need to get to this mutual understanding, as this uh, that quote said. I mean, it does seem like Jesus really kind of belabors um, this point of uh, God, God, my father, your father, you know, and what does that mean? What does that look like? You know, um, so not only approach him as a father, but, but here's what you can know as you approach him, that he's a benevolent, generous, gracious, loving father. Um, like he really wants us to know that, you know, so I think like, yeah, if you struggle, you know, just, just struggling to approach God as a father, then, you know, in, in some ways I would say just camp out in, you know, Matthew six and seven, just camp out there and, 
and just listen as Jesus kind of, yeah, you know, Jesus, he wants to bring you into that. He wants to bring you into that. He, he sees, um, his father that way. He wants you to see, see him as well. And he wants you to understand like, because of your attachment to me, this is, you're part of the family. You're part of, you can enter into this relationship and into his presence and know that he's going to give you good things and he's going to provide for you that he wants to hear you. He wants to listen. And I think that's something we just need to be reminded of so often. Cause yeah, yeah. I think that, you know, um, I think you said that well, or the, the, the Catholic mystic said it well, <laughs> but, um, not so often we want to bring Catholic mystics into okay, yeah, our fair point. conversation. I, just, I, I, but, I was like, oh man, there's something I remember but, that I but read. But yes, I think she gets at the the root there, that, that we do feel unsettled and sometimes embarrassed because, man, we know, you know, at our heart of hearts, we know that we're sinners. We know that, you know, we've kind of caused there, there to be a disruption. We have caused disruption to this relationship with with God. So, but we need Jesus to continue to draw us back into it, um, and be the one who, who can, yeah, who can, again, bring us into the household and, uh, introduce us to our father. Yeah. So some, just to conclude here, some general categories here, there's a danger, I guess, in the teaching of Jesus from Matthew, right? There's a warning against these different sides of the ditch. Um, Jesus in the Lord's Prayer and then in Matthew 7, he talks about the fatherly goodness of God. And and I think that points to just the reality that we, yeah, we, we struggle to approach God as this father who who is um, generous and kind towards us. Hmm. So maybe as we end, I mean, do, do we want to end with maybe some tips on... on on prayer, on, on how to, how to get into this habit? Yeah. I'll share a few and then you guys feel free to rephrase what I share or just share your own. Um, I think honestly, like I would say, Hey, now knowing, um, knowing that in and through Christ and not only, do you get ushered into the life with God, relationship with God, conversation, you know, um, with God? Um, not only does that happen, uh, Jesus loves, like, to do that. That's what he came to do, you know? So it's not like he's, well, I guess I kind of have to do this because God, God says I need to do this, right? Like, um, he, you know... He himself, his compassionate, gracious, loving heart, you know, he, you know, that passage that we read in, in Hebrews about, you know, you know, wanting to, to bring in and bringing in brothers and sisters along with him into the household. So um, with that is kind of your backdrop, right? Um, number one, just don't overthink it. Don't overthink it. Like, um, just start praying, start conversing with God. I think that can start, I start every single day, I wake up, and my first kind of prayer, as some, usually as I'm laying in my bed, is just submitting my entire day to the Lord, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's just a prayer of like submission. Hey, God, I know 
that if I'm not surrendered to, to you, if you don't guide and direct and lead me today, then I'm probably going to make a mess of this. So it's, you know, don't overthink it. Start with just a prayer of surrender, of submission each day. And then as you walk through your day, you you might have some set aside times where it's more like, okay, we're, we're going to going to carve this space out to really pray. But, you know, as you, you know, Paul talks, talks about like pray without ceasing. It's just this conversational relationship with God. So I would just encourage like, you know, as you drive on your way into work, as you grab that coffee in between meetings, as you're, you know, um, as you're making your way to lunch, what, what, you know, just those different opportunities to just converse with God Hey, Lord, help me in this way. Help, you know, so don't overthink it. Start with a prayer of submission or surrender. Um, converse with God throughout the day, you know. Um, and then I think one that is going to take some time and some effort, but use the scripture as your guide. Um, there's this guy that we have some of our young leaders read. It's short, less than 100 pages. Uh, this author named Donald Whitney, who has this book called Praying the Bible. It's the worst cover of a book ever, but I think. I like but it. You like it? Okay, yeah. you like it? Okay. But he just talks about how God's given us the language by which to interact with him, right? And so sometimes, like, a practice that I'm trying to even develop with my kids is just, hey, okay, okay, read some scripture, um, memorize some scripture, you know, deposit that scripture in your heart, um, or even just have your Bible open and pray through scripture. It can be something as simple. The Lord is my shepherd. Lord, today, um, man, I'm trusting you to be my shepherd, to lead, to guide me, you know. Um, I know I have everything that I need in you, so I shall not want, you know. Um, Lord, help me today because I'm really stressed. So, so make me lie down in green pastures. I need your rest. I need your comfort. I need your provision, you know. So um, something as simple as just taking some scripture. So Psalms are great to start with, but just praying the scripture back to God, seeing him in the scripture, seeing what he's telling you and praying that back to him. So those would be my like submit right away on the front end of the day, um, you know, converse with the Lord throughout the day, bring him into what's going on in your life, you know, just talk to him throughout the day. And then using the scripture as a guide would be some of my helpful tips for prayer. Yeah. I think even with, um, that, like some of those like phrases from Bible verses come to mind, like, um, God, I believe help my unbelief. That's mm-hmm. some, that's one that I kind of come back to. Um, similar to like those prayers of surrender. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can find those in scripture too. And, and those can be really good, easy, quick prayers that, um, just, yeah, just help to align our hearts to God's heart. Um, and I was thinking too, uh, Joel just recently sent out an email with a bunch of family summit resources about prayer. Well, some of them about prayer. Um, one that I've been doing with Nora is the five finger prayer. Have you guys seen that one? Mm-hmm. Um, it's, you know, a different thing that you pray for each finger. So like the thumb is pray for me. Um, but yeah, just kind of an easy way for, for her to think through, um, what prayer is and, and why and how. Um, another thing that I used this summer with a team that I was on, um, was breath prayers. Mm-hmm. And, um, I have this doc of a bunch of like different names for God. Um, 
or even just like bits about God's character, um, almighty advocate, abounding, answerer, anchor, Abba, breath, beloved. So I've got a whole doc. Mm. Um, and I love those. I love mm. just thinking through like what name of God, what, what attribute or what description of God do I really need to remember today? Um, and so, you know, God, you are um, overcomer. And then um, just pairing that with another phrase that expresses what I need from God. Um, and that can be so short and simple, but mm. also just really, um, yeah, something that sticks with me throughout the day um, that I can come back to. It's mm. mm. good. Yeah, I mean, I think those are all great. I don't know what I would add other other than that, you know, praying scripture, that's what I do every morning is I'll, I'll read a passage and I will... Um, pray it. I uh, not even necessarily. You, you, you know, prayer is not necessarily asking for things. Yeah. Hmm. Um, it can be, um, but I think it can also just be like, you know, you're reading the psalm. God, you are my shepherd, man. Help me to believe that God. I guess that is asking for things, but just meditating on that reality that God is leading me, He's guiding me, He's keeping me. You know, what does it mean to be a shepherd? God, help me to, you know. So just meditation. Um, maybe something an easy go-to would be praying through the Lord's Prayer. Okay, our Father, I'm a son in Christ. I mean, you know, all, all that sort of stuff. So, mm. yeah, I don't know if I can add too, too much, but I, I do think that, you know, this idea of don't overthink it, less is more, coming to God as a Father, using Scripture, all that stuff is great. So, Yeah, I think, uh, I, I just think, you know, to try to sew it all up, I would say, like, hey, man, Jesus loves to bring us into the life of God. God the Father loves to to receive us as his sons and daughters. And and lastly, like, none of us are experts at this, right? Like, yeah. nobody's, um, it's it has been helpful for me to get around people who you just like, dude, you hear them pray and you're like, golly. Like, you can tell they've been brought into the life of God. Mm. They're experiencing, like, his, yeah, just communion with him, Right. So sometimes I just like to get around those people and I'm just like, Hey man, just pray, you know, pray for us or whatever, but nobody's an expert. Like nobody's an expert. So know that Jesus, this is what he came to do to bring you into the life of God. Know that God, your, your father, your good, benevolent, gracious, generous father loves to, to receive you as you come. And, and Hey, you're not, you're not an expert, but that's okay because nobody is. And so, except um, for Jesus, except for Jesus, except yeah. for Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, we've got several other podcasts lined up for the next couple months. We're excited to talk, continue talking through Matthew, right? Yeah. That we're, that's the plan. Yeah. Um, and in the Narthex is a podcast of Northwest Bible Church. Um, we, our goal is really to spiritually form our own people. But if you're listening in from somebody somewhere else, we're really glad you joined us today. And as always, if you have questions or comments or um, ideas for future podcasts, you can let us know. You can email us at podcast at northwestbible.com. Mm-hmm.